Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that is loud. I don't know why we got such loud music playing. I don't know either. Um, well, so you were talking about packages. I don't know if you wanted to spend any time during the show talking about that. But you know what I'd like to do before we, just at the top while people are still listening, is um, the stickers. We, had, we did have some people reach out to us, and, um, which is great for stickers. But uh, we need, um, uh, we have a lot of stickers. Let me just put it that way. So. We have a lot of stickers for the U.S. crowd. I think I think I have a better option for the international because I'm going to drop ship. I can actually drop ship for free. Drop ship what? I, my stickers. What stickers? My what? stickers that I get printed. Well, yeah, I don't want your expensive stickers. I got a good your deal on these stickers. Too big, anyways. They're perfect. They're perfect size. They're yeah. three inches. I like the two inch ones. <laughs> that that <laughs> inch makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I ch- I checked today the. The um the people from Spain that said, "Hey, send us some stickers. I can send stickers to them for a buck thirty. No, that's not bad. No, no, it's not bad. I was expecting the worst. Internet international first class mail. I mean, right. you, there's no tracking number, and if it you know if it gets lost, you're too bad. But it's you know, it's an envelope of stickers. So okay, well let's let's talk about that after this then and get that going because anyway, so we we have a lot of stickers to give out. So um, dear listeners, uh, send us a what do we do an email. I mean, for the most part, that's easy. Yeah, because we need the address information and everything. So. Now, John, so we've been telling people to, to email us at info at com. That will certainly work if you didn't. And just put stickers on the subject just so we yeah, can yeah. find it easily. But also, what if someone emailed stickers at com? What would happen to that? It'd go nowhere. <laughs> it would go nowhere. Okay, so we don't have a catch-all or whatever? Uh, We might. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. Because right. no, I'm not paying well, for a true email server. It's basically... <laughs> on my domain registrar, I have some, uh, I pay for like two forwarding email addresses okay. or th- three or something. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, e- info at gooddaysforpodcast.com, uh, sticker in the subject, and then, you know, just give us your address and where you want, you know, where you want them sent and how many you want. And we will, we're happy to send out stickers. It's Jeremy's job to send out stickers. It is my job. So. I, I bought a roll of stamps. By the way, I think stamps actually are worth more than their weight in gold. Okay. I don't know if you've purchased stamps recently. No, I have not. <laughs> do you know how much a stamp is, John? I do not. <laughs> well, okay, let's take a guess. Uh, for just a regular send a letter stamp? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dollar. No, that's really far off. Wow. You're just being, uh, over, you're just exaggerating? Well, I don't know. It wasn't it like fifty cents or something once it's, upon a time, and <laughs> you know what's the what's the lowest you remember stamps being? I think a quarter, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think I remember twenty two. Yeah, but yeah, twenty five for sure. Yeah. No, they are fifty five cents, John, for it's a first still, class stamp. That that's doubled in my lifetime, at least yeah. from my yeah. current memory of a mailing. Prices only go up. Anyway, all right. So Pat, so you were talking about packaging. Second generation and other stuff. Do you, you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of just a thought process at this point because I'm trying to figure out what my options are. I have, I'm definitely splitting up. How do I say this? I have a managed package, first generation managed package. It's not listed on the App Exchange yet, but it's a, it's a first, it's a one GP managed package. I need to extend it with a with a integration to a third party vendor. I don't, I don't. 
nothing. Okay. <laughs> Technical hiccup there. We lost about five minutes or something like that. But John, do you remember what you were talking about? Well, I had solved the world's problems with some profound solutions. And uh, unfortunately, it was just a stream of consciousness and we've lost that. So oh, I apologize wow. to the world. What a, uh, what a loss for humanity, John. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, I believe what I was talking about was managed packages and my need to have two separate packages, one being managed and one being unmanaged. And I was curious whether or not I could solve my problem with a second generation unlocked package. Because what I really want is I want the namespaces to be shared and to be able to use the namespace accessible attribute that lets me communicate between those two packages without making something global and without creating this hard dependency between the two packages. So I think with second generation, you, you can do that, right? You can share you them. You can with second generation, right. But if you have a, let's say, a, a first generation managed package with a namespace, can it can that namespace be shared with a second generation package? I don't think it can. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to just try it and see what happens. Yeah. And see if the see if a black hole gets created and I'm screwed. <laughs> but I, I think the 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 crux of it is that there is no path for that to happen. Because I mean even Salesforce specifically says there's no migration path from a first generation to a second generation, which tells me there's probably That's helpful, isn't it? Well, Thanks, it, Salesforce. <laughs> it, it tells me there's probably something very different about the way the, t the two technologies are handled. Because, uh, I mean, we can, we can take a existing managed package and source code and transition it to a DX project, which is source, uh, source first, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it doesn't, uh, since there's no migration path, I don't know what that means. Source-driven development, John. There you go. Sorry. SDD. But I don't know what that means on the Salesforce side that we can't take a first generation package and turn it into a second generation package. It is on their roadmap, but it's like two or three years down the roadmap. They're not even concerned about it right now. Yeah. And if you wanted to do that, let's say you were just going to create a new second generation package, you wouldn't be able to use the, the it had to be under a different namespace, right? It would. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the issue is it has to be a different namespace. Now, uh, so my problem is, while there aren't that many people on this application currently, because it's kind of a transition technology, it's a, it, well, it's a new package being built for a new audience. And so there's not that many people on it. It's, but even then, even with only maybe a handful of customers on it, it's hard for me to say, screw those of you who've helped us beta test basically this application. I'm building a new technology, which means I need a namespace, which means I either have to manually migrate all your current data or we start from scratch. Mm, it's yeah. just... Oh, wow. I forgot about that. Because the custom objects will be all different. Yeah. Right? yeah. Which I kind of want to do anyways, because the, the existing data model is kind of crap. But yeah. it's, it's not a luxury that I have. I'm one person developing this application, and I don't have the ability to delegate some things to make it easier and faster. Right. So it's basically stop work, do this, stop work, migrate, stop work. You know, it's just these, these iterations require all of my attention. So I don't feel like I have the luxury to go to second generation at this point. Um, so I have to rely on, on the idea of there being a migration path in the future. Hmm. Uh, so anyways, my, my, the crux of it is I want these two packages to communicate. I don't want to create the hard dependencies. I'm trying to see if current Salesforce tech allows for some kind of way for me to accomplish this. So I looked at possibly unlocked packages, which I don't think that's going to pan out. I even thought about what if I do platform events? Is there some way for me to use platform events to communicate between the two and send data back and forth? Ooh, but, that's good. That might even be a, a that's a, that's a hipper architecture anyway, John. 
one of the other solutions I saw was was you do create the hard dependency and you instantiate things. It's not really reflection, but you can invoke things and instantiate classes by name and things like that. Um, and just pass back a lot of JSON and serialize and deserialize to yeah. get what you need, which mm. kind of kind of crusty and kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, that's when I came up with the idea of, well, what about platform events? Can I use that? And it's something I'm going to explore and see if I can do that. So, but I don't know. I mean, like cross namespace platform events. Yeah. Are, are they, yeah. Are, are they siloed or platform events siloed by? Well, if you create namespace? a platform event with a specific contract, that object, because you're essentially creating an object in the Salesforce the world, event, that gets the, tied to yeah. your namespace. So I don't know if that has mm -hmm. any kind of, if you're still creating this dependency because you're creating a dependency on a platform event that's in a namespace. Yeah. So I'm wondering, well, okay, maybe I can do it, but am I any better off? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I think you'd still have to depend on that package in order to get that event type. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there, <laughs> well that, there goes that decoupling. Yeah. yeah. You're, tr you're, trying, really you're trying to, to say decouple. I know, but yeah. Decouple. Decouple. I mean, you, that's the thing with decoupling. It's, it's, a, it's a direction. <clears throat> it's a goal. But there's, you, you always have to couple to things. You just have to be smart about how you couple the thing, and you have to be aware of when you're coupling, right? Because yeah, it needs to be a design and a, and a, a deliberated, intentional thing you're doing. Okay, I know I'm coupling to this. Mm -hmm. I'm declaring, and that's why, you know, like declared dependencies are are always good because, especially you know, if they're really visible. Yeah, you want to be you want to make it explicit where you're depending on things. I mean, well, I do like that second generation packages does let us have a single namespace, and we can communicate between the two packages. Um, because I really want things to be really simple and clear. And I want to have, I, I, I agree. There's going to be dependencies here or there, depending on how you have it architected. But what I don't want to do is get super crazy where I'm having to do all this kind of crazy dependency injection where I have, have to write like a hundred classes of infrastructure just to get everything to work correctly. Yeah. What's it called in just an original first generation packaging where you create a, a, a package that depends on and has and therefore has visibility to another existing, you know, managed package with a name and its namespace. What's that called? Is it an extension package? Yeah. And can you can I, I guess you could have a package that extends more than one package because that many to many one we were talking about, which I'm not can't remember if that got cut out or not. Um, but that would have to extend both the packages, right? Because it needs the visibility to both. In that scenario, but in my particular scenario, I'm getting rid of that other package mm -hmm. but that could still exist in the future i could there's still a chance i might have to create a quote-unquote connector to another managed package in which case that would be the scenario yeah but in this case i'm just trying to connect to a set of apis but i don't want those apis to be in my application they're not really part of my workflow it's just happens to be this other thing i need to connect to and in the future i may want to connect to something else or connect to some local third uh proprietary thing that the client has so i'm trying to set this architecture up in a way that i can uh be extendable. You almost need a, pl a plug-in architecture. Yes, exactly. But I, I don't have that. I think extensions is the closest you get to a plug-in type architecture, but it's still two namespaces and they're two very distinct things. And I still have to work out how do I get those two things to communicate. You still have my Gang of Four book or did you bring that back? I think I brought that back. Because there's, um, I think what you want to look at is the service provider pattern and like the service provider interface. Yeah, and no, that's fine. But mm -hmm. that doesn't... I mean, just for ideas, I'm not saying you have to like use that pattern, but like it's, it's, it's kind of how you would approach that type of problem. Because the problem is like your app that's going to communicate with these other things, it, 
what you're saying is you don't want a dependency on those things. So it's what your app will depend on is simply an interface. And then the things that you're plugging into it will have to implement. Yeah, something's going to have to implement that interface. Either that or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Some well, ideally, kind of, I want the interface to be defined by my main package. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, that makes sense. But how do I get that main package dependency into the extension package? And I don't, I just have to create that manual dependency. Well, I would think the extension package has to de- depend on your main package. Right. I mean, yeah. This and that's is... pretty much how I'm going to have to do it, but it's it's not ideal. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but it's not ideal. I mean, you're dealing with, I mean, this is, you're dealing with a CRM system that's over time been extended and extended and extended to support more and more, I guess, development on it. So yeah. it's it's not like, you know, don't don't try to achieve like, you know, .NET or Java level, you know, uh, system architecture because you're not going to. You know, you're just going to deal with the, the craft. I think I think the craft the, of the platform. I think the effort is sometimes. I think the effort is worth it because I think you might discover something or find something or come up with some creative solution. I I don't think uh, it's, I totally agree. I mean, the things that people have come up with in, in this ecosystem are pretty mind blowing. Actually, like yeah. wow, I can't can't believe you, you know it's 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 amazing to see what the the creative stuff people come up with yeah. to to work around things. But I mean that that's yeah. that. I mean that's my story on packages. I'm okay. I'm still working through it. I'm still trying to understand. Still need to have our package show. Um, yeah, and, and we gotta we gotta coordinate with you know who to make that happen. No, I know. I just I don't know what the right questions to ask are. Well, for me, it's like it's open ended. Can I just can I just get a brain dump on everything you probably, know? Probably, probably. Because I, mean, I, I I really feel like I'm in in a scenario where I don't know what I don't know. And on top of it, there's this new technology, the second generation packaging. That when I'm looking up documentation or looking for ways to do things, I'm coming across that yeah. documentation. I have to be careful and go, crap, I can't use that yet. I can't use that yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, if we wait until we think we know enough or whatever, we're never going to have the show. That's true. Okay. So we just need to get this special guest on and it can basically be a master class. <laughs> I vote on a trip. Okay. That would be cool. Trip wanna, to Austin? Yes. I want to go to Austin. Yeah. A guy's trip? Yes. I want to get drunk. Pass that on the street. <laughs> just, you know, but the thing is, you can't do, you can't try to do to me what you tried to do to me last time, John. What did I do that. last time? <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about that ever. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> so uh, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to tell you, um, I was talking with some people who I won't, who I won't name, but I was complaining about the whole spinners thing. And they were like, you know what? We, I just don't, both of these people I was talking to said, well, we just, I don't know. I don't. Doesn't seem to bother me. I don't. I don't get those spinners. I'm like, really? I mean, spinners, spinners how does this everywhere? not bother? Yeah, spinners everywhere. And I was like, okay, next time you you're you're on a, is it still called a detail an object detail screen a record yeah. detail screen? Still called a detail. And you're going to do what's is it still called inline editing where you just double click a field and it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so next time you do that, double click that field or click it. Is it click or double click anymore? I don't even know. I think it's just a click. A click. Okay. And then tell me if you don't get a spinner for like a solid two seconds before the field is actually, the editable field is exposed. And they're like, I don't ever remember seeing that. And then I've pointed out a couple of other places that I see these spinners I think is ridiculous. And then about two days later, I'm getting slacked by them. And both of them are like, oh my gosh, I totally do get those. And I, my brain had just learned to ignore that. And I didn't even know that I was getting those. And now that you pointed out, it's super annoying and I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> And my job is done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to talk because the application I'm working on has a ton of spinners well, everywhere. That's, but you didn't create those. It's not your fault. I know. I know. But it's also, well, okay, so here's, here's the this problem. Is, this is the problem with com- this modern component 
like UI component architecture. Yes, that that's partially the problem. The other problem is that people aren't using them correctly. Um, some people want. Like, we've talked about this spinner thing when we first talked about this issue. We talked about people adding just delays because they want to show the spinner. Um, <laughs> Why? I don't understand <laughs> that. What is wrong with you people? I'm one of those people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but the other part of it is that Salesforce historically Lightning when it first came out was extremely slow. It's still slow. It got better, and then it seems to have slowed down again. It's this up and down curve, this one step forward, two steps back, <laughs> this wave of just, you know, slow, fast, slow, fast. And so we've had to stick in these spinners everywhere because it looked like our application wasn't doing anything. You clicked on something and nothing was happening. Right. And if you were to open up your, your console, you'd see all these things queue up in lightning, all these events queue up, these actions, even if it's not the God, if you're used to looking at the lightning actions, which is all your callbacks to your apex controllers. Click over to the event tab and see all the chatter on that thing. It's it's just crazy how oh, many yeah. events are just getting tossed everywhere. Um, and then take that grain of salt with the knowledge of how JavaScript works. Being a, it's not a parallel system. It's a single threaded system. Yeah, I mean for the most part, yeah. is concurrent. Mm -hmm. So it's basically I process, I switch, I process, I process, process, process. So it's constantly trying to process and task switch between different uh, commands. Yep. In order to create the perception of parallelism. Mm -hmm. So just seeing all that, just I'm like, oh crap, this thing is crazy as hell chatty. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, I understand why it's slow. I can understand why it gets slow. And depending on what type of machine you have, I can understand how it can be even slower. And so I see the need for depend on some of these things like spinners. Um, we yeah, talked about and, some and solutions as alternatives, like having a spinner, but then have a transition to like a, um, what do they call it? Like some kind of placeholder image, but even that. Well, those are just those are um, psych psychological tricks to yeah. make it seem less. Uh, right. I think the fundamental problem is w when I click on a field to to inline edit it. Why does why is why do we have to wait two seconds? And 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 I know that it sounds like I'm just bitching saying two oh two seconds. I mean, literally, you don't have two seconds. Count count to two. Like correct. Get your stopwatch and. Start it and look how long it takes to get to two seconds. I mean, every time you want to inline edit, edit something, that's what you're getting. And it's not, and that's just one example out of probably like thousands, right? Of just mm -hmm. places where it's like, it seems like it shouldn't have, I shouldn't have to wait. Like, it's just a field. You already know the data type and the name of the field. Like, why am I, have to, why am I having to wait? What are you doing? And what is the server? I'm assuming you're, I haven't actually opened up the inspector to see if it's actually making a server call. I assume it is. I mean, why is that taking two seconds? And just, I don't know. It just, there's just, so many places and don't get me even started on setup that's the worst i think a lot of it's just the framework in general it has to it or, tries to be smart about caching but, but that they, also but, means it has to read the well, cache and but it's not smart about caching that's the problem it's failing at that too it's not smart at caching how else can you be smart about there's no way to be smart about caching. <laughs> i know that's well right it's, it's a trade-off either way what are You're, the two what are the two pro hard problems in, in in was it computer science or whatever naming things and cache invalidation yeah <laughs> <laughs> naming things is still number one uh, maybe so very much so. Right. I, and I don't think it's, I mean, again, I, I don't know. Is it, is it that the server should be faster on these responses? You know, Salesforce's servers, just things need to be no, optimized. I, I mean, oh, we, hang on. I'm just, or is it, I just wonder if as a, you know, this is a bigger thing than Salesforce. This is a modern front-end architecture problem where we've gone to this, oh, components everywhere. Mm -hmm. Do everything in components. And all these components, are, they're, all, they're independent and they're all making their own API calls and everything. It's like, and the next thing you know, you know, you've got out of control, an out of control, you know, rat's nest of components. 
Yep. And tr- when you look at a lot of these screens and tell sports, you're like, yeah, that's a rat's nest of components. Yeah, it gets pretty ugly. It's like, you know, it's like each, you can tell that each team was assigned, you know, each, each component on that screen was built by a different team. Yes, you can, but I think, I think the, and, and that might be true of native Salesforce, but I think where, where us as developers developing custom stuff can kind of help with that is to be careful about how we design components and I'm just going to use the word subcomponents. I'm not sure what the terminology is. It's like, nested, like a graph nested of components. components yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, if you want to be modular, that's fine. If you want to have a component that has a distinct set of functionality, that's fine. But have it receive the information that it needs from the server. Have it receive the information that it needs rather than it having to go to query itself. Now, I know intuitively you want to have that lower level child component go out and grab its data and, and just be self-sufficient. But the reality is it's just going to create more problems. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be slower. So you kind of have to be smart and pick your battles in terms of where you delineate where the data is mastered or where the system, or the rec, uh, system of truth, record of truth. What am I trying to say? System of record. System of record made it wherever, whatever owns that data, you have to be clear of what owns it. And if any children below it, you have to be clear about what, what it needs, you know, if it's going to receive the data Mm -hmm. or if it's going to manage its own data. Does this go back to the fact that Salesforce hasn't really had that, that kind of like flux pattern of, of state management that, that other UIs have? I think so. I mean, it's pretty much kind of wild, wild west out there. It kind of just says you have a component, let it go get its own thing and, and let it render and all that oh, kind of stuff, and- which is, which is kind of nice on paper. It's nice and clean on paper. You have these components, they're self-sufficient. You drag and drop and put them anywhere, whether they're, whether they're enabled or interfaceable to, to be their standalone components or not. You still have this modular architecture that you can pop in and off, deprecate functionality, add functionality, because it's all self-contained. But the reality is that for performance reasons or even just orchestration pur- purposes of just loading the screen, it gets really complicated and it gets really ugly. And because of that, it gets really slow. Uh, also, troubleshooting is kind of an issue as well. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen in my application in particular, they used one component event for everything, which means when I look at the event stack yep. to try to figure out when I click this button, what happens in the event stack? I'm seeing the same thing pop it's, over and over. I have no good way of filtering. So I have to go no. and click open, click open, click open to try to see what data was being sent, what what handled, what triggered it, and then what handled it. It's just Yeah, no, it, it's a it's just a variation on the 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 one table to rule them all. Now it's like yeah, exactly. the one, the one event event to rule them, to rule them all. all. And you know, Salesforce, I mean, they they do have some unique challenges. I mean, you know, the typical React or View app, I mean, it's you got one developer, one team, one company that controls the whole app. Right, so they can highly uh, orchestrate like the the communication between the components and optimize like when calls are made, what data is shared, so that you don't have different components all making API calls. Maybe you have one uh, you know container component that's making these API calls, and then through you know their state management system, they're they're sharing that data to all these other components. Mm-hmm. On the Salesforce world, I mean, you could have components from six different vendors on the screen. Yeah. They, they can't share. I mean, that's by definition, you know, you're not sharing stuff. So everyone's going to have to make that. Okay, what account am I on? Query. Yeah. Now, I don't, what I don't know is if literally like in browser, if Salesforce has some kind of like state management slash kind of like data, data caching layer thing that if like three different components ask for the same account, it, Salesforce only has to make one API call. 
And then the lightning JavaScript, you know, state thing can just serve that, that one account up to all these three components with one API call. I, I don't think it does, actually. I think... I think it might when it comes to data services, but that's a single record. With data, if you use data services, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So if you if you say I, I'm part of the data services, I'm expecting an, a record ID. I think if you use that record ID somewhere, it is part of that caching uh, flow. But and I think that's a common use case though. That if you know if you're on an account screen and you've got you know three or four different components from different vendors, they're all going to be wanting that account, right? So that's a pretty that's a pretty common thing that should be able to be optimized. It is common yeah. and it is, it is something they can optimize, but I think from a custom perspective, from the things that we do, um, it doesn't help us at all because we're usually coming in to either improve productivity, which means we're compositing a bunch of different records and functionality into a single screen, or we're trying to provide functionality that has nothing to do with Salesforce. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really help us much from that perspective, at least from anecdotally from my yeah, perspective i mean it depends on, on the that. use case is yeah. what you're saying but yeah but so i think i think it's good that we have the data services and we have that single record access and we can manipulate it and it knows what to do but we don't have a way to mass deal with records mm. like well, i can't create a table of accounts and have it automatically render those tables automatically handle inline editing and all that kind of stuff that's still something i have to do manually okay well What's going on around here? <laughs> Do you hear that? Party. Um, let's see. What was in the news, John? Do we have any interesting things? I, I wanted to ask you. Um, how's that WeWork office? You know, is it still the, still unlocked, or the, you come in one day and then you got a big lock on the door? No, it's still unlocked. Still still working. Yeah. I just saw in the news that they uh, pizza parties and and uh, beer kegs. Oh yeah, got some kegs on tap. Yeah. And uh, tacos in the morning. Breakfast tacos. So I saw in the news that. WeWork's leasing activity dro dropped 93% in Q4. So in numbers, let's see what that means is they leased 184,000 square feet of space, new space in Q4. Mm -hmm. 184,000. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a lot. That's down from 2.5 million. I guess they're still growing. Here's something interesting that I didn't know. Uh, we worked, uh, and I just heard of this concept. I actually was kind of got some quotes on different office space, and one of the people that responded was um, Regis, who own, I guess owns this, this thing called Spaces. Have you heard of Spaces? Mm -mm. We work seated the top spot in flexible office space leasing market to Spaces. So Spaces has now overtaken WeWork. Hmm. Who the hell knew it was that big? <laughs> Not me. But I saw some photos of it. It looks amazing. Looks great. But the photos always look good. But still, yeah. I mean, it looked really cool. It's it's their it really it's their response. I think it's Regis's response to WeWork. Well, I think there's there's definitely demand for this type of. I don't thing. like it. I don't like. I don't. I got. I like this. I like what I have here. But what you have is part of that same ecosystem. It's still part of that same. Uh, Office hot spotting leasing. I don't space. think so. This is a this is a long term lease. I have a long term lease here, right? Well, WeWork still get long term leases. It's just they're but not you, long term. You can, enough. but I mean, WeWork. I mean, the most typical thing is just you just every you're just it's by month. You know. In fact, what, last time I talked to WeWork, that's all they did was it was just month. 
Mm-hmm. And you couldn't also, you couldn't... Um, no, it's it's contractual. We have a contract. In fact, our contract's up in February, which is what, when we're probably going to let can, it go. Right, yeah, you can do a long-term, but I'm just, I'd said the most common thing that they have is, uh, the, what the guy told me was the most common thing is just month to month. And like, and also you, um, uh, I think I'd, I think I'd asked them about reserving or whatever he's like oh there's no reservation it's like it's like it's just first come first serve and it's like it's just so and also you know the way their offices are that's typical of the kind of popping in and out type thing not if you're going to get a dedicated office that's what we're talking about was offices but anyway but also just the way their offices are they're the you know you're it's like you're in a some kind of lab experiment just the glass walls and everything and oh yeah that kind of i just yeah i just the whole i don't the whole thing i'd I mean, I mean, it's kind of cool sometimes. You, I mean, this is a much better setup. I mean, you've, you've said before, you're, you come in tired, you do some work, you come in early, and you just want to just catch a nap, get your mind off things. You can't do that at a WeWork. No, and I've got, look at, I mean, look at, we've got this all built out as a studio. You can't, you can't do that at WeWork. Yeah. You can have acoustic treatment all over the walls and your, your logo. ridiculous well, logo. I mean, you do get your on logo the on, the, on the glass door. Yeah, that's true. Oh. You can get that here too on that. Actually, it irritates me. I liked it when everything was completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. But now they let you put something on your door, which is oh, annoying. I should get one right there. No, they you have to do it through them. They'll do it, and of course they charge you some stupid amount of mm-hmm. money. So anyway, well, Jonna, you know, I don't know. Hopefully that office thing keeps working out. I just I think that uh, no, it's it's I think we work's gonna go down in flames, man. I think we like having a place to meet for those of us that are local, and we like having a place where we can kind of just get together and just yeah be in the same space together, even if we're not actively working together. Uh, which is something we'll probably continue to do. We'll probably still have a day where we come in and get a conference room and just work in there, which may or may not work out depending on what we're doing, since we all have calls and things we have to do. But I'm trying to get Sarah to get a one of these. Um, what do you call it when you can just come in and just work wherever? A hot desk or whatever? Yeah. Hot, hot, hot desk. <laughs> hot desk. Hot desk. Hot desk. Come get your hot desk. Yeah. Exactly. Side of mustard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just so she can get out of the house more. Yeah, it's, it's good to get out of the house. I mean, I, I do go into Dallas two days a week. It sucks driving to Dallas, but I've kind of made my peace with it. Yeah. So, mm. um, it took me, it took me 40 minutes to get here today. It is kind of nice. It's gotten so bad. It's gotten so bad. In Dallas, you're in a high rise. You see all the buildings. That's you true. See for miles away. We're near the, the Clyde, Clive. Clyde, Clyde, Clyde Warren, Clyde Warren Park. Yeah, uh, food trucks. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's, it's an active park too. I mean, you go there and there's people hanging out, throwing football, frisbees, all that kind of stuff. It's, is it is it full of homeless people that are crapping everywhere? No, and, it's no? not. Oh wow, it is not. That's amazing, John. It is not. It's it's so a, you can actually run a city in a decent way, is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's wow. Possible. It's possible. They should have a big tech conference here. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Did you see this thing about the, these software, uh, smaller software companies that have created some campaign? They're attacking like Salesforce and Oracle. Yeah, I heard the coalition of the, of the yeah. SMBs or something. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Ten, was it ten software upstarts kicked off a public campaign Thursday that Knox customer relationship management or CRM titans, including Salesforce, Oracle, and SAP. Oh, they're going specifically out of uh, after CRM companies. They're saying that the large companies keep clients trapped in subpar software suites, potentially shutting out smaller arrivals. Well, of course, that's that's the plan. It's the well, that was that it's, was Salesforce. What I call it the it's the Roach Motel of uh, enterprise software, right? <laughs> I mean, Salesforce was disrupting the industry ten years ago. That's true. Well, so that's well, how's the saying go? You you uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, 
So anyway, I guess they're calling these, quote, the platform of independence. Oops, ouch, that hurt. Um, oh, they, the ones, okay, so Segment Inc., Amplitude Inc., and Outreach Inc., and Pendo.io. Pendo.io, interesting. And Drift.com. Have you heard of any of those? Mm-mm. Some of them are uh, billion-dollar unicorns. Mm. Uh, but they, they're saying that CRM software isn't enough to provide good customer experiences to consumers. And they, okay, here's their quote. We as independent software, oh, it's, like a, it's like a declaration of independence. <laughs> <laughs> we as software, uh, sorry, let me start over. Ready? Yeah. I wish I had some reverb. You used to. I know. I think I can. I so think what's I, going on with our tech, actually, man? No, I think I've gone backwards in no, tech. No, I think, I, I, think have... we, I think we've gone back forwards because I think I can with this. I just, I need to get a. What I would like to do is get like a MIDI. They make these things. They're like MIDI um, yeah, no. sliders that can control that, like a physical slider. Yeah. Anyway. Try to get you all kinds of stuff. But We as independent software companies have built out our products with the belief that a business should never be locked into a suite, never forced to have a one-size-fits-all technology approach, and its data should never be siloed. It's time to break free of the data monopoly. Wow. I'm not sure I buy that it's siloed or a data monopoly. Um, let's see. This, these smaller companies argued that the larger or the large software makers focus more on selling bundled packages of products than serving their clients' needs with continuous innovation. Kind of true. Uh, large tech- technology companies have come under increasing antitrust scrutiny for their business practices, including how they wield power to maintain advantages. Um, Beyond panning the quality of the bigger player's technology, the chief executive officers of the startup said that their larger rivals use acquisitions to bolster their market power. Uh, here's something from the CEO of Amplitude, Spencer Skates. Wow, it's almost like a telling you what his favorite activity is. Spencer Skates. <laughs> he should have opened a skate shop. I know. If any of these guys become too big, that's a threat to all of us in this ecosystem. Uh, Salesforce bought MuleSoft. Cisco bought AppDynamics. This is going to. This is continuing to happen. It's definitely a concern. Well, you know they've got Benioff on their side, right? Because Benioff said capitalism has to change. That's oh, it's dead. No, it's, it's dead. not dead. Yeah, it's it's dead. dead, John. Capitalism's dead. Yeah, yeah. Which means there shouldn't be any more of these big corporations. I don't think we should go back to what's it? What's the fully? You know, I think we should go back to monarchies where you, the king and queen own everything in the land, and we just where surf is a serfdom where we just you know we kind of you kind of lease a little piece of life from them mm-hmm. and serve them. That, that's I think that's what we should go back to. I totally agree with Benioff. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's just all words. It's platitudes. It's I mean, once they get big enough and they need to make an investment, and if they want to blame someone, don't blame Microsoft, don't blame Oracle, don't blame Salesforce. Blame the freaking market, yeah. which demands growth, yep. which demands actually just demands growth. And how do you grow and grow fast? Is acquire. So at some point, you've disrupted the industry. You've innovated. So Salesforce at one point innovated and they've disrupted, and now they have to grow. Yeah, and they have to grow fast. And how do you do that? Acquisitions. Yep. So I don't have too much more time, but um, I wanted to ask you about this whole content document link thing. Oh God! Because I'm I'm in dealing with I'm in I'm in like file hell, and I don't know what kind of weird. So I feel like either Salesforce acquired their new file system from another company, or they the team that built it was just totally on their own island. Because yeah, this whole thing of like the DMV of Salesforce, I mean, it it sucks. <laughs> the DMV, I'm gonna, gonna make a note of that. <laughs> it is. That thing just doesn't work. No, it doesn't matter what it, the permissions are broken. 
uh, how you querying, access it dude, querying for content. Querying is broken. Yes, it's broken. It, it's totally broken. It just does not work. But it's not. it's the new it's the new way. It's it's the latest and greatest you know attachment system for Salesforce. It's it's weird, and there's way too much magic around that whole system. You can if you create a record, like if you create a content note, or I'm sorry, a, let's let's content call version? it what it is: content version. Yeah. And that's the other confusing part. <laughs> no. Content note technically is like a content version and document. It's really weird. Yeah. Like you have a physical Salesforce entity, content note, which is technically just an overlay of a content document or a content version. Yeah. But yet you treat it as if it's its own thing. It's really weird. There's, it's like some polymorphism going on. It's like a content yeah. note is a content version, but a content version is not necessarily a content note. Yeah. And it, it <laughs> killed me when I was trying to figure that out because. And it wasn't until I looked at the IDs and I noticed the prefixes were the same because I, I was doing mm-hmm. a bunch of copying, pasting of IDs, trying to figure out what ended up where when I created something. I was like, that's the same ID as the content document. I've been freaking creating content notes, going out to the CDL, trying to figure out what content document it created, pulling that ID back when it was right there the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it, the documentation doesn't tell you that. No, yeah, It does not yeah. tell you that it's the same ID, Well, which is and- stupid. <laughs> And they they have they did add some convenience things like nowadays there's like on the content document there's a there's a field called like the most recent content version it's ID or first something publish like that. ID yeah, or something or, which or is, re- latest publisher no there, there's the last published ID which is the last version so yeah, on the content yeah. ID you can get the last the latest version but on the version content version record there's a first publish or the mm. there's a first publish ID the the rec, basically the record that was used to create it yeah. But it's hard to trust it. It's hard to say, okay, I'm going to rely on that field because you don't know how, what, how or what that was created and whether or not it got populated. Well, this is definitely one of those things where when they, because this is for a, um, an integration that I was working on and they're like, hey, you know, what do you think it would take to add, you know, there's just these simple file, like a file integration. I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's like maybe 10 hours. And it, of course it ends up taking me like, you know, a week, 10 years, a week. Yeah. Are you doing? Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> and of course, the other the problem the problem is is like the system that I, I'm. So I'm. I think I'm. I think it was pulling files out of Salesforce and putting them in another this other system. And of course, it has its own almost equally as weird data model, but totally different. Hmm. And so that's the fun of integration, like very complex transforms between the Salesforce data model. And, the, and this other system's data model. Luckily, it's not bidirectional because you just, you, going one way is bad enough, but you, you lose too much going that one way. It's like, you know, you, you can't preserve enough information in the other system to be able to then turn around and, get, and do basically round tripping uh, and without, without losing anything. Mm. They have different, you know, like, Salesforce has like, what is it? I think there's like a, there's a file. It actually keeps track of like the file type or something like that. And, and Salesforce gets you things like um, word underscore X. There's like, there's different types. Oh, like, yeah. And I don't even know if they list, I don't think that, can you get a list of what those are? I don't know. I don't I think don't you can. I think you just have to like yeah. <laughs> wait for bugs to happen and then add them to your integration. But like, I think there, it gave there's like, because I was trying to custom write my own like display for those records yeah. and I wanted to know what type it was so I could have it show the right icon i gave up so on salesforce they have like yeah there's like i think it's like word word underscore x excel excel underscore x 
PDF, right? And this other system I'm going to, it has like Word is doc. And if it's a if it's a docx, then it's just docx, which is makes more sense. I don't know why Salesforce has Word and Word underscore x. But anyway, so I'm just mapping well, between docx these things. Well, docx is the official extension. Right. Yeah. Right. So doc is the older version. Docx is the latest version. Yeah. So anyway, lots What's of docx uh, being. Lots of fun. Is, I think it's when they moved to the XML format. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that was that the um, was that standard called Open Document or something like that? You remember yeah. that? Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I I open office, or no, it's open office document format, right? I can't remember now. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, um, well, John, what else do we want to cover today? I don't know how you're out of time, but I've been, I've been looking at. Uh, so I going back to my application, <laughs> and we have a new JavaScript certification. Did you see? It? I see did, that? and okay. I was gonna, I was gonna kind of right. segue into that. Um, I've been doing a ton of learning on JavaScript just because I want to learn all the latest techniques, and I feel bold, emboldened enough to be able to use pretty much just about any ES6 I can get at my hands on, including promises. Um, I haven't done anything with generators, but I really want to get into those. I kind of like the mechanism of it, but I'm wondering what the gotchas are. Promises are fast becoming callback hell in some ways, so I'm hoping generators kind of solves that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot about JavaScript that I just didn't understand or didn't know. I feel like I'm having to go back to fundamentals hmm. and just to kind of relearn JavaScript from the perspective of modern JavaScript being yep. ES6 and up, which is kind of weird. I don't know how they're doing this versioning system anymore. It's like ES6 plus like a name. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's not like ES7 or ES8. It's now it's just ES6 and a name. And there's also, you almost have to go feature by feature because there's, sure, there's the the official spec that the working group or whatever, the, what's it called? The committee yeah. uh, created. But then there's like, you know, uh, if you're on Node 10 versus Node 12 versus you're in Salesforce or, or you're in a certain browser, like you have to know almost like, okay, this, whatever, wherever my JavaScript is going to be running, which features, do, does it support async await? Does it support promises? Does it, which promises spec does it support? Um, yeah. You know, it's just, and that's why, you know, you have things like Babel or Babel, apparently, as some people call it. Yeah, and, and promises aren't perfect for sure, but they do, they do solve a pretty niche problem. Um, I don't know of a better way, but I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like promises and claim Well, it's it. certainly better than, I mean, promises were, that whole concept of promises was to solve think, that, uh, that that callback help. Yeah, and I think people yeah. like the concept of promises. I think the issue is the way promises are implemented, the whole return architecture, the resolve, reject kind of function calls that are kind of just magic. You just kind of plug them in wherever you want. It just doesn't really have a clean API, but I think JavaScript in general or functional languages in general are just crazy. Um, it's a, it's I think a, about building yeah. a big system and I go, okay, I'm going to see what Node's doing. I'm going to see what React's doing. I'm going to build it on this. And I'm like, oh, God, I want my static language. I really so, do. So modern JavaScript is pretty functional and it's pretty um, uh, reactive. And if you, you know, if you haven't done like, I don't know, like Rx Java or some other language where, you know, if you, you've, you've kind of at least dipped your toes in reactive before, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a different totally it's a different way of communicating it's a different way of thinking um, yeah and i'm yeah. just because you know like traditional programming it's like you call a function and it's like you know you have a call stack and you can you just directly see where things go and they have you know you call a function it returns a thing then you call another function it returns a thing mm -hmm. whereas with this reactive program you just put all these you're basically putting implement even though the, there's so much sugar around it that you it just looks like nice code but you're basically creating like all these like callback handlers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you, you just get this like 
firing of all these events. It's almost like the synapses of a brain or something that are all firing. Yeah. And you're, you know, you just have to have, you have to have all your handlers wired up correctly. Yeah. And, but it's almost like AI. It's like, it works, but we don't understand why. And we can't tell you why it gave you the answer it did. <laughs> That's kind of how like modern reactive programming is. Yeah. It's like, good luck trying to track the series of events that led to like your code being called. It's, yeah. But it's, it's also it's, allowing you to solve problems that would have been that would have resulted in just a rat's nest of code. Yeah, I know. I can't tell you how many times I'm in a even just Apex. Just we'll use Apex as an example. Where I'm like, you know what? If I could just turn this variable into a function and have it just return something when I called it, it would solve so many of my problems. So yeah. there, there are aspects of functional that just like, wow, if I could just do this here, that would be awesome. And yeah, I guess Lambda kind of helps you kind of bridge that gap. But for the most part, my big problem is that. I can't depend on any on any type. That's why I want to go back to static. I think that's why um crap, why did it leave me? TypeScript. TypeScript is so popular because I'm having to put a bunch of has owner properties everywhere just because I don't really know if this object came came to me the no, way it was supposed see, to. That's be. that's a sign that it's a smell. It is it's a, a smell. Bad smell. Yeah. But, you know, it, the IDE promotes that smell too. It comes back and says, hey, I don't know what this variable is. Maybe you should call this method and double check it before you call it. And I'm like, you know what? That's right. And th then my IDE starts to make me paranoid. Yeah. It's I making me really paranoid because now I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't know where that came from. I don't know that whatever called it put that right thing in there. And I'm just calling it. Have you heard or heard of or used flow? Like the, you know, the JavaScript flow? No. So it's, it's I don't know if I... I this is probably not a great description. It's not, I guess it's like an alternative or, a, or a, to TypeScript or just a different way to have static checking of JavaScript. I haven't used it, but I'm, you know, it's definitely a pretty big thing. Mm. And maybe it's a better solution for JavaScript in the Salesforce space than TypeScript. Because TypeScript is kind of like, it's all in, right? It's, it's big. I mean, you have to adopt the language and all the tooling and... Yeah, yeah and you have to have type definitions and, and, and all everything. your yeah, I mean all your dependencies have to have type definitions or you gotta create them yourself and um it's <laughs> you you just you, you know, you're not half pregnant with TypeScript. Yeah, I I, I don't know if this building apps on JavaScript is, is a good idea. <laughs> it's it's so weird because JavaScript it seems like such a mess, but that is where like the vast majority of innovation is happening, whether you like it or not. But it, it, isn't that innovation kind of reinventing the wheel in some aspects? Well, I mean, in, in some ways, because sure, I mean, there's, I mean, you're, gosh, you're, you know, don't, uh, don't trigger the, the small talk people or whatever, you know, so, or the, the Erlang people or whatever, you know, they're going to say, sure, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been, what you, well, you guys are reinventing the wheel. We've had this for 20 years now. Yeah. Of course. People are always going to say that. But there's something about, Software engineers, we're always wanting to create uh, new languages or computer scientists, I guess, more, more. But we're not. We're trying to. We have this zombie language. I'm going to call it a zombie language that just keeps keeps living and we keep doing everything we can to keep it living because yeah. it happened to be the one that won out in the browser You're, wars. That's exactly what it is. It just happened to be the one that was invented as a toy language over a weekend for a browser. Mm -hmm. But it's in every browser yeah. <laughs> and it's the only language that's in every browser. And what's, I mean, another thing compelling about JavaScript nowadays is you can have a team of JavaScript programmers that d can do everything from the back end to the front end and the mobile. All in JavaScript. Yeah. It's kind of it's convenient. It's kind of compelling. Yeah. We've never really had that before. Well, especially since uh, 
know, developers, even though Salesforce has got 5 billion developers, mm-hmm. no, I think it's we're still now. a scarce resource. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the ability to kind of share those resources across your front and your back end is very attractive. Yeah. Especially for those high end skilled developers <laughs> that are extremely rare. You know, we'll call them unicorns, <laughs> unicorn devs. Yeah. Um, uh, Salesforce somehow got all of them though. Five billion, six billion. Oh no, yeah, it's amazing. They, they, they birthed about three billion of those apparently. <laughs> ben Alps been a busy man. Yeah. Hey, kudos. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so okay, what I mentioned was that I guess their Salesforce is going to have a JavaScript certification now. Yeah. Which is kind of scary. Uh, I just, don't know that you can certify someone in JavaScript. I'm sure you can. You can. Uh, if Salesforce has proven anything, well, I, it's that you, you can, can certify sure, anyone and anything. Sure. You can you can certify <laughs> on the fundamentals. You know, do you know? Do you understand variables, cons, lets? Uh, don't you remember, promises, you remember Tommy Boy? Callbacks. I don't know. You remember when Tommy Boy said, "I could I can put a warranty on a, a I could put a turd in a box and w- put a warranty on it if that's what you want." When he was like selling I love to that the movie, yeah. Well, it's like you know you can you can you can warranty a turd. I mean, you can certify a turd. You can certify anything. You can certify anyone on anything. Yeah. And especially if you're making two hundred bucks a pop doing it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's not a bad thing for them to certify people as, as understanding JavaScript. It, uh, Having seen the code that I've that seen, a good thing? Not is a it a good thing? thing? I don't know. I mean, the problem, well, uh, the problem is it's such a changing thing. It's changing so fast. I finally figured out, remember I told you there was a ton of timeouts in the system? What system? In, in my application. What kind of timeouts? There was timeouts everywhere. I've told you this a hundred times. Okay. They were timeout, they were timeout everything. They were delaying execution of everything. And it turns out they were essentially trying to create a synchronous processing framework, mm. but they did it wrong. Yeah. And they used timeouts to do it. And they didn't even set up a queue. Oh, 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 for I see what you're timeouts. saying. You're talking about, okay, like yeah, window.set timeout time. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So there is what they should have done, they should have set up a queue. So create an array, which represents a queue, and you have your timeout basically chip away at that queue to synchronous process all of these things. And you get your async synchronous process, <laughs> async concurrent process. Yeah, it's, you basically get concurrent process. My head is exploding right now, John. <laughs> they were attempting to do that, but all they really did was set up counters. And if that counter got misaligned or you removed something without knowing that there was a counter that they manually set and said, I'm about to create three processes or tasks for you to process. Mm. If you somehow remove one of those set timeouts, which I was doing everywhere because I was like, this doesn't need to be a timeout. This right. doesn't need to be a timeout. This doesn't need to be a timeout. Yeah. It screwed up the whole system. And when I finally figured out what That's why those developers do, kept making everything timeouts, because if they didn't, then stuff didn't yes. work, and they didn't know why. <laughs> they didn't know why. Uh, I think that, yeah, so I, once I finally realized that, I was like, it was like kind of an aha moment for me. I was like, oh, crap, that's what they were trying to do. Uh, they, I don't know, well, at the time, I don't think Salesforce officially sputtered E6, ES6 promises and all this kind of thing. So I've been systematically removing all that stuff and creating promises for them. But in that, I'm going, crap, I'm getting into promise hell now. I have promises upon promises mixed in with callbacks, mixed in with, with async or incubable async processes back to my Apex controllers. So I still got to find a better way of, of orchestrating all that. But at least for now, it's promises. I can at least rely on the promise then kind of catch architecture. And at least flows better. Um, but But... The problem with Salesforce and the problem with the architecture of the application and component development in general and Aura if freaking rendering 
is that anytime these values change because they're bound, because they're binding variables to a if or if construct, mm -hmm. that component is getting loaded, initialized, popped off the stack, loaded, initialized. And I'm seeing all this chatter on my initialization routines where it's running my methods. Fitbit. Freaking. Oh. <laughs> That's the beer. Oh. Uh, freaking, you know, two or three times. <laughs> Which is adding to the slowness or adding to artifacts in the UI that I just can't explain. Yeah. Um, so I've had to resort to a variable that says I'm initializing, ignore everything else while I'm doing this initialization, which I don't want to have to do. And you shouldn't have to do that if it's architected properly. But I've had to because I can't go in at this point because I don't have time or the time basically to go in and refactor how those components are being rendered because they're popping things off and on because things are changing and they have all these handlers on change events for variables that are kicking off during initialization. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I have a feeling that a lot of people are doing that. I have a lot of people that I am sure that a lot of people are relying on the binding aspects of lightning and the events that happen to show and just hide variables and everything, or I'm sorry, UI components that are, that aren't realizing that this is happening. Yeah. So, well, that's what you call uh, blissful ignorance. I used to be blissfully ignorant. So did the people that preceded you. <laughs> uh, well, John, I wish I was the kind of person that, get to, that could collect a ton of money for doing crap work and be okay with it. Maybe I, I, I don't really wish that. Well, I'm just saying, how about collect a ton of money for good work? That's what I'm trying to do, but it's hard. It's stressful. Well, good work is hard. It's stressful. I know. That's why, that's it's why it's good money. Do good that's work. why there's good money in it. Do you want me to tell you what they got paid? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably too much. Too much for, for crap work. Yep. I mean, maybe I should be on those fly-by-night shots that just kind of pops in, does some crap work, gets, gets my paycheck and runs. How do people not get sued out of existence? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. I, I really don't understand. Anyway. I don't know. All right, John, well, let's wrap up because uh, I got to yeah. go pick up some children. And you fed me beer and I got to go pee. Which you already did during our technical I, outage. I know. I know. I've got the bladder of a two-year-old. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said uh, earlier, uh, if you would like stickers, just send us an email at info at gooddaysirpodcast.com and we're happy to send you stickers. Um, you can also send us uh, feedback at that email address. You can send us questions to that's what that's what we really like is questions for the show because it's it allows us to be lazy and not have to uh, have any content yeah. so we can use community content. Yeah. So definitely send us your questions. Um, join our Slack if you haven't already. It's uh, You go to gooddaysirpodcast.com, you click on community, and uh, you can just sign up right there and get in our Slack. It's really cool, nice people, very smart people, fun people. Uh, and you can just troll if you want to, or you can contribute, whatever. Whatever you want to do. Goodness, John, tell your friends. Uh, do a review Rev in your, oh, yeah, in your podcatcher of choice, or iTunes, or whatever it is. Yeah, reviews are great. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, this show was brought to you by... Um, Deschutes Brewery, Black Butte, if I can read, what are these called? Roman numerals? 27. Um, and it was best after July 20th, 2016. So we're, we're safe. We're in, it's, it's at its best. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, that's who, who we should get to sponsor the show. Beer Some vendors. brewery. Yeah. Because there's no conflict of interest. We just drink beer and tell what we like about it. And then you get Drunk John episode and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always fun. Everybody likes that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, thank you for my shirt. I oh, got yeah. my shirt for my, what was Christmas? Yeah, I wasn't lying. It was just, yeah. in fact, you know what the funny story behind that? Yeah. I asked Sarah, I'm like, what happened in that shirt I got, John? She's like, oh, I know where it is because I hit it. Or she put it up because our house was showing. 
And she goes digging at the back of like one of our kitchen, like the very back of one of the low cabinets. And, yeah. and she pulls that from way back then. I'm like, I would have not found that in a million years. Like, why did you put it back there? But anyway, <laughs> I found it. Oh, cool. Yep. Now I got a My Code shirt. Yep, sure do. Uh, it's an unlicensed, by the way, My Code shirt because I still own the trademark on My Code, mm. by the way. Did, I, the, did you have a license agreement with that? Like, like Salesforce does for uh, Einstein? I'm just saying. I own the license to my code. I own it. Right. So And the trademark. Yeah, Shirtforce. Does uh, it say TM John de Santiago at the bottom? Well, uh, fortunately for you, Shirtforce, I'm not in a litigated, litig litigated, litigative. Uh, lit litigious? Litigious. Litigious mood. <laughs> so um, we'll let this pass. But uh, it's very. Yeah. In the future, consult uh, me about, you know, very, very gracious of you, John. Shirt. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are great shirts. I, I've bought a few shirts. I think it's a good place to go. So what is that? Shirtforce.org. Probably so. Or you, I'm sure you can just Google Shirtforce. I'm not sure the exact URL. Go ahead and nice shirt. I will say, uh, for people who haven't watched Silicon Valley, you really should, John. You got to watch it. In fact, if, I'm going to buy you the... Is, it, is it Blu-ray still a thing? Probably not, huh? You wouldn't even know what to do with that. Anyway, if I, that, that still was a thing. I would buy you Just that buy me an HBO set. subscription. Well, I could do that. Yeah. Um, but really... And, and I'll do you like you did... I'll do you like you did me when I bought you the bartender app to control you your, use your menu bar and you I still, used it. I still have it. I have like bartender.dmg <laughs> somewhere on my downloads folder. I need it so bad too. That's the sad part. I know. I've seen your toolbar. <laughs> that's why I got it for you. I was like, this is crazy. Oh, that's because I'm the ultimate procrastinator. But anyway, Silicon Valley, they, you know, they, it, they just troll Salesforce. So, did you know this about the show? No. Oh my God. And this last- it's based on San Francisco? So the, so the show's over now. It just finished its last season. And they trolled Salesforce harder in this, I guess mocked is they mocked Salesforce so relentlessly in this last season. And it's great. I'm going to try to pull some quotes or some uh, some clips. All right, I got to see it. I'll do it. <laughs> it's great because it, now I got to see it. Yep. Anyway, all right, John. Uh, I'm going to go pick up some kids. Uh, hopefully, your own kids. Um, just whichever two are available. <laughs> yeah. Well, answer that. I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.